The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and I am very thrilled to share our guest with you today, Ms. Shannon Adkins. We will uh, go ahead and apologize on the front end that Shannon is actually on the phone with us. So it's going to sound kind of like a radio interview, which will be super cool. And we are having to do that because we're women and we're flexible and we figure things out and we were just having some connectivity issues. But the reason why I'm thrilled to talk with her is because she is all about the things that I love, company culture and all that good jazz, empowering employees. So let me read you her official bio, and then we're going to dive into some really great conversations that I hope that you will take notes on and apply to your bombshell businesses as you aspire to continue to step into being a bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident female entrepreneur. So check it out. Shannon Atkins is a thought leader and CEO at Future State, a woman-owned, employee-owned consulting company with a triple bottom line where people get to be themselves. Novel idea. They bring value to their clients by understanding the journey they are on throughout their transformation. After years of working for startups, tech companies, and in corporate America, getting her MBA and starting a family, Shannon decided she wanted to work somewhere where she could be fully expressed as a mom a volunteer, and a BA businesswoman. I know some of y'all have some kids in the back seat, so I'm just going to abbreviate that, but you know what we're talking about. (laughs) So she went back to future state. The changes she initiated led to revenue doubling in 24 months, doubling y'all 24 months, new offerings, new clients in new industries, new teams and leaders, and a new name, future state. In 2015, she became the CEO the boss lady, and made sure to continue to grow and evolve officially, making it a B Corp. Shannon challenges herself to always ask why and to make sure the answers contribute to creating a world that works for everyone. An eternal optimist, she believes the right team of people can find a radical solution to any problem. Weaving together the opportunity, the business needs, and the collected wisdom of its shareholders, these solutions become clear and executable strategies that lead to continual success. Shannon, I think we all want a you in our world. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So what a journey. You were an English major. And usually people, when you have an English major, they say, oh, are you going to law school? So were you going to law school? (laughs) I was. (laughs) Funny you should ask that. I I got the activism bug early, I think in high school and then through college. And I thought I would become a woman's rights lawyer. I would advocate on behalf of women in corporate America. 
expand, I would work to mitigate and, and minimize inequities in how women are appreciated and provided opportunity at work. And then I took about a year off after college because I graduated in 1994 and definitely everyone was saying, yeah, that's funny. You're never going to have a job. Yeah. Uh, you, look at you. Aren't you cute? And so I took a year off. I went and lived in Europe and taught English for a while and backpacked around. And I was lucky enough that I had that time to reflect. And I thought, you know, I could do that. I could I could go to law school and I could fight for women who have been treated badly in work environments, or I could just be a BA businesswoman and demonstrate that women are as capable and as competent in corporate America as men. And, and maybe that's actually a, a better way to change minds and hearts than, than through lawsuits. So for me, it, it became a matter of, you know, who do, who do I want to be in the world? How do I want to exercise my influence in a way that, that makes the world of work better? And I happened to also return from Europe in 1995 to the San Francisco Bay Area. And if, if anyone was here then, you would know that really you just had to be able to walk and talk at the same time and you, you would get a job uh, in, in the booming dot-com yeah. made-up business model. World <laughs> what a wild ride that was. I mean, that was just insanity. It was total insanity. Uh, and, and the woman that happened to give me that job was Meryl Natchez, the founder of, of Tech Pros, which is now Future State. And so I, I came back from Europe and Meryl said, yeah, I don't think you'll be a good technical writer at all. Uh, I think you're a salesperson and, and there's something happening with the web. So why don't you go figure out what that is and, <laughs> and sell some websites? And so that was my first, kind of my first real job out of college is working that job, dialing for dollars through the phone book, started with A as an architect in the Olympics, <laughs> saying, who wants a website? And then someone said, yeah, I do. And then I tried to figure out what that meant and how we'd do that and what we'd build. And, and for our listeners under 30, the yellow pages was like Google in a really fat book that was yellow. Okay, right. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know it's so funny. I mean, there there was no web to do research on, so we we just called people and said, "Do you need a website?" And and I remember the first the first folks who said yes, DHL Architects. Shout out to Doug. Said yes, we do need a website, and I said great. And he said, "Will you make it in HTML?" And I said. I don't know. <laughs> Let me call you back. And I really was an English major. I didn't even own a computer until then. We we built that website and, and then over the course of that 18 months ended up building the website for BART, our local transit authority here. And and then Meryl said, Wow, this this internet stuff, it, it's really growing and it's it's really, you know, something and I still don't understand it. I think you should go work or one of these internet agencies in the city and you're young and go, go do something else. And, and I'll be here, you know, somewhere down the line when it's time for you to come back to, to tech pros. And, you know, at that point in time, I thought, well, I'm just going to do my thing in business and then my thing in making the world a better place. And those two things will, will not be in the same domain. You know, the work that I do will fund the philanthropy that I do or, the space and time that I create for myself by being successful in business will give me the later day space and time to work for a nonprofit. So you were really looking at compartmentalizing those aspects of what would fulfill you. That's right. And I, 
I went into corporate America. So I worked for really large enterprises. I worked for, and they were great. I worked for Wells Fargo Bank, leading internet bank was their vision and mission at the time. And, and I had a, a, a really fantastic set of female bosses and was given a lot of authority and accountability there as well. I worked for Intuit and had a lot of opportunity to work inside of a technical environment with technical people, even as a non-technical person, you know, while I got my MBA. I never really, I thought, oh, isn't it neat those people who have the job where they're accountable for corporate social responsibility? What a cool job that is. But I could never do that job. They'd never give me that job. And probably that job doesn't pay as much as I need it to in order for me to support my family. So I'll just do my volunteer work. I'll, I'll serve on boards. I'll do fundraising. And, and that will be how I contribute. And I also kind of arrived at, I think, early in my 20s. I thought, oh, I'll be a female CEO. And that'll, that'll be the thing. And, and then, you know, working through corporate America and seeing how people wanted me to evolve my leadership style in ways that were more authoritative, more hierarchical, mm-hmm. more managing up rather than really supporting my team very quickly sort of arrived at the conclusion that CEO was not for me. I was not going to do what it would take to move through the ranks of corporate America, sacrificing my, my family time, sacrificing my, you know, my, my, I don't want to say values because no one was asking me to do something illegal. Your priorities. Yeah. Well, and I've become this person I was really proud of (laughs) and I was consistently getting feedback that the ways of being that I operated from, were, were not going to get me where I needed to go in corporate America. The ways of being collaborative, of being inclusive, of being connected. And isn't that crazy? Because like, that's what everybody's trying to learn how to do now. And at that, in that time of business history, that, I mean, it was just like, get in the box. There's the box, climb in. You know, that's crazy. Right. You can't be friends with your team. You know, you, you can't put the priorities and needs of your team first. You have to put the business first as if they are separate priorities, right? And I, I think I intuitively always thought, how can they be separate? My team is not going to do their best work if they don't feel seen, heard, appreciated, valued. They, they don't have the space to say, I'm really struggling right now. I need to go home because I've got my mom's well-being on my mind. Um, these are, they're all human and they all have human strengths and weaknesses. And if I can support them in being their best human, <laughs> they'll bring that to work, right? So they'll, they'll do their best both at home and at work and in life. And and so I also became a mom in that time frame. And I think my final, I don't know, my final breaking point was a, having a, a CEO of a startup that I was working for officially tell me that I I needed to bang the table louder. I needed to be more aggressive. I needed to be more like John. I needed to be more like Bob if I wanted to maintain a leadership position. And just having this aha and epiphany that I was 40 years old, I was 35 years old, and I was not going to change the parts of myself I loved the most in order to fit into that type of a culture. And I just decided that's it. I'm going back to tech pros. I took a hundred thousand dollar pay cut. Wow! Uh, came back to Tech Pros and said, "You know, I will do my best work if I'm able to be with people who see me as a human being, strengths, weaknesses, capabilities, 
I will do my best work inside of that and I'll knock it out of the park. So let me let me ask some questions here because I know I have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen. And so they're in a corporate environment. They're they're kind of where you are right now, like maybe vice president or a senior director level, and they're looking at the the trajectory that they're on saying I don't think that I am willing to do the things that I need to do to continue to grow into my best self. And so now they're entertaining the idea of of starting their own business because then it's limitless opportunity for them to craft not only the type of life that they want, but the type of business that they want to operate in. So do you have any regrets about about taking that huge pay cut, about taking, about moving, like talk, talk through like the fear versus the reality in that decision-making. Yeah. So I think the, the place of privilege that I recognize that I'm, that I was coming from and making that kind of a, of a leap was, I, mean, I am the sole provider for my family. My husband stays home with the kids, but, but I also live in the San Francisco Bay area work and jobs are plentiful. Um, and I had enough under my belt in my corporate America career and enough connections that even though it was a really significant risk, I, you know, I remember saying to my husband, look, <laughs> so I might not be able, we might not be able to pay the mortgage for a month or two, maybe even three, but they won't come get the house for at least a year. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a great, great friend, significantly older than than me when I first made my first move towards entrepreneur life. And she said, you know what, Amber, I just always ask because I was like, how did you survive all these years? And she said, I just asked myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? And if I can live with that, then I do it. And that's kind of yeah. what I'm hearing what you said. It's like, okay, well, here's here's the things that might likely happen at, in the worst case scenario. It'll be fine. I love that. Yeah. And I can always go back and get a job at Wells Fargo or Hewlett Packard or, you know, it may not, and maybe it won't be the ideal job, but I'll, I will always be able to provide for my family. Right. And that, that is a position. I know that's a place of privilege, right? I recognize that, but it was a, an earned place of privilege, right. For having, having done the work that I did. And also just a, you know, mother of two kids, both of my kids are adopted through foster care system the cost was too great of being in an environment where I couldn't be my full self. And, and I was unwilling to accept that that was just the way it was. You know, life is too short. I'm not going to suffer. I'm committed to, to loving my work every single minute of every single day if possible. And I had set some pretty high bar criteria for myself about loving work very early in my life, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when she was just 49 and I was 27. So I, at that point in time in my life, I had decided that if I was unhappy for 10 days in a row at work, 10 days in a row, I didn't want to go to work, that I would quit because I knew myself well enough to know that if it took me, if for two weeks straight, I didn't want to go to work, I wasn't going to do the work to make it better. I had already resigned myself to, you know, most likely the, the notion of, I don't like these people. These are not my people. This is not my tribe. And that served me well, because I know myself to be a generator of possibility, you know, someone who can see the positive. So it's like, if I can't find even a thread of awesome for two weeks straight, 
I'm really done. I should probably just just call it and and jump into whatever might be next. But I'll tell you, Raekwon, or sorry, Raekwon is my son. Rob is my husband. We were not living in an environment where we had a, a large amount of cash saved up when I made that jump. We were living paycheck to paycheck. You know, the cost of living in San Francisco Bay Area is, is really high, and and living on one income is is tight. So. It was a, you know, it was a confidence that I could land on my feet, even if this particular job didn't work out, that I could go back to another job and a, and a willingness to believe in myself that made the difference. And then having a partner, you know, my husband is not a fearful guy. So he's like, whatever, are you going to be happy? <laughs> Great. You know, <laughs> does that, you know, maybe we'll need to downsize. Okay, fine. No, I don't care. We can live in, we can live in an RV. It's not a problem. So that's, that's sort of willingness on the side of, on the, on the part of my husband and recognition that uh, life is for living and all aspects of your life should work and make you happy and feel like you're contributing and, and sort of being relentless in pursuit of that. Yeah. And so I I just want to point out a few things before we get into how you really next leveled future state with, and get into the kind of the company culture philosophy that you have. Um, I want to point out that Shannon drew some really strong boundaries about how she envisioned her life and how every aspect of her life was going to help support that vision. And and I think that that is something that for, for whatever reason, women especially resign themselves that they have to fit into other people's visions. And so I think that's a very powerful piece of Shannon's story. And, and the other was being able to say, it's okay if I fail. Like if this doesn't work out, then we'll find another solution because <laughs> there's always a new day, right? And and again, with with the history with your mother, and you've had those life experiences. I, we've all we all have our stories, right? And and we all have reasons why we want to live our most abundant, our most passionate life, where we could step into our greatness and serve other people with our gifts. But it takes a lot of bravery, and I'm hearing that so vividly in your story, Shannon. So so you made this big leap. He said, this is not for me. I'm not going to become a person to to fit a mold to generate revenue and then lose my soul in the process. You've, you move back to where you began and then magic happened. <laughs> so take us through that journey. Yeah, even the getting back to where I began was magic. I came home that night to my husband and said, I, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go back to Tech Pros. And, and Rob was like, wait a minute, you haven't worked there in 10 years or 12 years. You haven't even talked to them. What, what are you talking about? I woke up the next morning and there was an email in my inbox from Merrill, the founder of the company, saying, hey, uh, I've sold the company to the employees and they really need visionary leadership. And I think that you should go back. And I think it's going to be good for you and good for the company. Wow. <laughs> so, I was like, ah! Oh, that, that's, that is some goosebump action right there. (laughs) Totally. So magic is really a big part of the story. It's funny that you, you keyed in on that word, but so I came back and I, I didn't realize the company was in actually as, as tough of a position as it was. Uh, The company had lost about 25% of its revenue the year before that was 2009. So I started on January 10th, 2010. And all of the team, 100% of the team, had taken 10% pay cuts. 
for all of 2009. And I, uh, all of our revenue was 85% of our revenue was nested in one client. And, and let's go back. Let's go again, go back in history, 2008, 2009. Oof. Like talk about tough, tough years. So you were making big changes in the worst economy in recent U S history, but go ahead. (laughs) Cause you're not giving yourself enough credit here. (laughs) (laughs) So I started, yes, that's right. I quit my job in 2009 in October of 2009 and ovaries of steel here, ladies, she's got ovaries (laughs) of steel. (laughs) And so we started this journey of transformation for the organization, myself and the then CEO, Stephen, when when I came on board and really understood the the situation that we were in, it became a matter of right. Well, we're going to transform this business. We're going to sell things we've never sold before. We're going to deliver consulting services when we've been known as a on demand or staff augmentation business. We're going to shift from technical writing to strategic management consulting and. And and we, I guess maybe the thing about an entrepreneur is first and foremost, you believe in yourself and your ability to deliver, even if there's no evidence yep. that you can Love that. do so. So I would go out to clients and say, don't look at our website. Don't pay attention to the name of our business. I would like to understand the problems and challenges that you're facing. And I want to tell you why we're the right people to help you move through that. And we sold the first couple of really big deals. And then we had credibility so other people could begin to sell those deals as well. But initially it was, you know, the the relationships that I had with people based on my history and business in the Bay Area that that was the foundation of our deals. People trusted me. And now, you know, eight years later, it's not about Shannon. It's about the demonstrated track record of Future State and the 80 plus people that deliver that on a daily basis. But it was a, it was definitely, I remember telling people, don't look at our website. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I love that you said that too, because a lot of women, they start out or I, I'm just, you know, the bombshell community, they'll start out and they have all this website shame because they don't have the funds necessarily to do some gorgeous website and they're getting started. And then they don't tell anybody about them because they have website shame and they don't want people to go to their website. And I'm like, you don't need a website to sell. Like get on the phone, go show up, have coffee with somebody, like go sell yourself. And then you can create the revenue to get your fancy website. But I, I love that you put that out there and that that was the catalyst for you really getting the flywheel going in, in the business again. That's right. And you know what that takes is I'm going to sell the solution. And I know that even if there's nobody else that can deliver it on my team or the person that I think can deliver it, leave. I will stay up until midnight if that's what it takes yep. doing this project myself. Preaches this history. client will not have a bad experience. No matter what, because this is my shot. And we're still we're still small enough, future state is still small enough that every project has to be like that. Every project has to be a nine or a ten on the net promoter score. We can't get by with yeah, it was okay. Where a PWC or a Deloitte or an Accenture, they can. They have the brand to 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 carry them through. We need to make sure that we knock it out of the park every time. So I think that that clarity of focus on 
on client service, on differentiation, on delivering no matter what is what, what helped us kind of build the foundation. And then when I was seeking over a CEO in 2015, it was about, you know, I was still the number one salesperson in the organization and, and that's not a company, right. that's an individual. And how do we transform from an individual that happens to be able to sell projects that other people can deliver to an organization that will persist and grow and evolve, you know, whether or not I'm at the home, you know, now and into the future. So that, that became really the primary motivation for taking on the CEO role was we're still not really a company. We're a collection of individuals who happen to be really good at something. Right. <laughs> how, do we, how do we make that a company? So now we're talking about, we're talking about, okay, so one person is bringing in the majority of, of the business and then people are rocking it out and they have to. So there's, there's some pressure there that it's, it's gotta be an A every time because you, you don't have the, as you said, the brand of, of a Deloitte or a larger company that's, you know, been sustainable over forever. And so you, you really at this point are needing a lot of discretionary effort. And you don't get discretionary effort from employees who are not fully engaged and and bought into the culture of the company. So what moves did you make to make sure that everybody felt a part of the vision and saw the value and what it was that they were doing to contribute to your next audacious set of goals? The first one, you know, in the years between 2010 and 2015, the, the primary value that our team members had was this, and the primary sort of motivation was, first and foremost, a great deal of autonomy. We are 87% women. So this company has been, in, in its entire history, mostly women. And of that, we're mostly parents, right? Mostly women who are working and parenting. So that's embedded in everything that we do. We highly value individuals being able to have a life that works for them. So I think the, the primary motivation for people was, wow, I'm getting to do extraordinary work, transformational work with really cool clients. And nobody blinks when I say, sorry, I got to be at the kid's school today for my, you know, kid's piano recital right. at three. There's no discussion. It's not even, it doesn't even come up. It's just how we operate. So every single person inside of our organization is, is given full autonomy to deliver their commitments in their life. <laughs> I don't know how we would figure that out. And I think that was the first thing. And, and the fact that we were, you know, absolute underdogs winning big deals. It's yeah. Fun. It's really fun. And that's it's fun. really fun to be on a winning team. It's really fun to be on a winning team. Yeah. And then, you know, the, then when I became CEO, it was, it became more about now we're moving out of this incubation period into sustainability. So the very first question I wanted to answer was, why does the world need another management consulting company, right? It doesn't. No one woke up on a Tuesday and said, you know, what we need is another McKinsey. It's not like that, right? So there are plenty of management consulting firms in the world. Why does Future State need to exist? What is this, what is this space that we inhabit that matters in the world? And it, it is first and foremost this notion that in the 21st century, business needs to be a force for good in individuals' lives and in the community. And this wave that we're seeing of B Corps, but also the wave that we see of, 
you know, Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, saying, hey, company X, you're not going to be in my portfolio for long if you don't have a clear social purpose that makes a difference in the world and you're not adhering to court because that's not sustainable anymore. People want to work somewhere where they can feel good about the work they're doing when they go to bed at night. Yeah. So we decided it was going to be really important to clarify that purpose. Future state is this kind of company that, that delivers value to our clients, but first and foremost is oriented around our employee shareholders. So we're hundred percent employee owned. My job every day is to enrich the lives of my team their experiences and their actions and their, you know, opportunities to learn and grow and their wallets by maximizing the company performance and increasing the value of our firm so that their share of our firm is worth more as they approach retirement. And how do we, how do we make sure that that's embedded in the DNA of our business? And part of that is by becoming a B Corp where we will measure and assess our success across these three domains compared to our peer group and we will have a bare minimum of performance across those three domains that, that is a viable. Explain what a B Corp is, because I'm sure people know what an S Corp and a C Corp is, but explain that that term, please. Yeah, so you still are an S Corp or a C Corp. It's not change your tax filing status, but it's a cert- third-party independent certifying entity that's called B Labs. There's a, I think, probably 200-question assessment that measures your behaviors across the domains of employer employer practices, sustainability, environmental sustainability, um, financial performance, your products and offerings and the difference they make in the world, your community impact and participation in community. And you need to score a minimum of 80 out of a 200-point scale in order to be certified as a B Corp. And you need to recertify every two years. So you'll reassess, they'll reassess your performance every two years. And then you also, in I think not every state, and I don't know the exact number, let's say 32 states out of the 50 states, you can also become a benefit corporation. And that is a, it's a, it's an element of your bylaws, of your corporate bylaws. It's a rewriting of your corporate bylaws, which states that you can sell your entity to the not highest bidder without fear of repercussion from your shareholders if that buyer is more aligned to the to the social purpose of your business. Mm. So it's a it's a structure inside of which you can be assured that you can make lasting long-term decisions aligned to the values and the purpose of the organization, not just shareholder return. I love it. There's a lot of purpose driven businesses and a lot of like give back type businesses who are listeners. So I wanted them to be really clear on what that was and what the opportunity is. And so on that note, you were in a very unique circumstance. Oftentimes in business, you have to find the balance if it's a good business, if it's a ethical and and well-rounded business, find the balance between being responsible with your profitability and the revenue of your business and then also your people practices and honoring the fact that there are a bunch of human beings with souls and dreams that are helping you get to that revenue and your profitability. You naturally have both going on simultaneously without any indulgent to pick one over the other. And so if you were giving advice to somebody who did have to juggle those two things, what would you tell them? How do you make that work? 
so here's a little bit of Shannon's edginess going to come through right now. <laughs> Love it. Um, Bring it on. This, this is me. This is me having a, a pretty strong point of view. My current point of view is that if a CEO can't figure out how to make their business sustainable, and I use the word sustainable to mean economically and financially sustainable, sustainable for the human beings that work there, sustainable for the community and the planet as lar- at large, they don't deserve to be in the position of CEO. Love it. That is just for me an absolute. That level of creativity is should be required for the job. If someone tells me, well, I can't figure out how to afford to pay my people a fair living wage, then you don't have a sustainable business. You have a business that will fail. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it will fail because it's not sustainable. You need to charge more. You need to innovate your offering. You need to create a more compelling value proposition. You can't think of the people inside of your organization as the thing that can suffer so that you can have a viable business model because it's not a viable business model. Right. I love it. You know, Harvard Business offered the service profit chain forever ago. And that business model speaks to if you take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers and your customers will remain loyal to you, helping to generate that reoccurring revenue and and the repeat business. And that service profit chain just continues to swirl and swirl and swirl. And it sounds like that's that's in alignment with your, your beliefs as, as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you might find yourself, and we're seeing the need to innovate and reinvent the restaurant industry here in Oakland, California, and in San Francisco, because when you combine a commitment to paying a fair living wage, which in the San Francisco Bay area really is over $20 an hour, plus the cost of rent and the cost of sustainable, high quality food ingredients, it's a really challenging thing to run a business profitably that is in the, that is a restaurant. We're seeing a lot of transformation happen in, in restaurants, right? <laughs> Pop-up restaurants who don't own space. We see the food truck move. So mm-hmm. I think what I would say is it's the combination of understanding that truth and being willing to innovate and disrupt yourself yes. when it's not working in You don't get to say, well, in my business model, I have diminishing margins, therefore I need to pay less. That's no, you got to figure out a way to reinvent something about your your business, or your or you or you got to shift to something to a totally different business, right? Or you need to con- join forces with someone else and partner, or you need to be acquired. You know, there there's always a way to go. And I guess my my thinking is that when I hear a CEO say, and by the way, I hear it both from the B Corp community and from the non B Corp community, the notion that any one of those attributes is fixed that's a red flag for me. So if I hear from the B Corp community, well, there's no way that I can operate my business at the same margins as someone who isn't caring for their clients, for their employees, because I'll never be as profitable as someone who doesn't care about their employees. For me, that's also, you know, lazy thinking. My job as a CEO is to deliver world-class, you know, best-in-class financial performance, for my industry, I need to hit those gross margin targets. I need to hit those net income targets or have a clear and articulated strategy and strategy and how I'm going to do that and to do so in a way that's sustainable. That is my job. Yeah. <laughs> I should get fired if I can't do it profitably and I should get fired if I can't do it sustainably. And that's, that's what I believe. And I think that the businesses that we see really thriving in the 21st century, they're getting 
creative about how to deliver. And, and I think you actually see more innovation and more creativity at the small business level. Because again, you don't have that cushion. You got to figure it out by Friday. How am I going to make payroll and deliver my offering, not sacrificing my commitment to quality and to my team? Hmm. You got to figure this out. But back to your comment. And, and of course, this is not a sustainable way of doing business long term. But if you're in that space where you're not, you're just not quite there yet, but you see the vision, you know, you can get there. Sometimes that might mean that you stay up till two o'clock in the morning to get it done. It just is. And and again, I, I wouldn't want to encourage anybody to have that as a lifestyle and how you always do business. But there are seasons where you're going to have to give dig a little bit deeper, give a little bit more, put a little more elbow grease in, sacrifice a little bit of sleep, sacrifice, you know, paying your mortgage on time or or whatever it is that you had to do Mm -hmm. potentially to make it work. And that's, that's all part of saying, I will not climb into the box because if you climb into the box, you die in the box. (laughs) That is just baseline reality when it comes to creating a successful business. And I think this this resiliency that you're speaking of yes. here, right, is this notion that, okay, I think strategies, I think that the word strategy for a lot of people is like, well, I don't know if I have the right strategy. I must not have the right strategy because it's not working. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we have this notion that, at least in the pace of change of business today, that, that you know, if you, if you don't have success, it's because you had the wrong strategy. So what? I mean, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. What's important is that you continue to listen, refine, pivot, evolve, make choices, act upon them, measure, test, refine, keep it. You know, one of the things that my COO and I had a conversation about recently was why are we going to be successful, right? Or we hit a revenue shortfall. Oh, wow. How are we here again? I thought we are on the right track. And she and I looked at each other, like, we're going to be successful because we're just not going to quit, right? We are smart and we're never going to stop. So we'll keep iterating, evolving and tweaking this until we get it right. And then we'll keep tweaking it and iterating and evolving it because that will shift. So that resilience and that commitment to pivot, to find the right next move, to give yourself space for that failure and not have it mean that you need to throw in the towel, you know, to, to build those relationships with your bank so that you can go back to your bank and say, wait, we're going to be break even this year. I'm not going to be bringing in a lot of net income because I'm investing in this, this, and this, and that matters. And here's why that's going to be the right decision for our business. I love it. I say this a lot on stage or on the podcast, and that's fail forward. And be, and I'm using that language because that's what women have told me is, well, I failed. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Fail forward. What did you learn? That's new data. So how can you apply that data to, as you say, and I love that so much more, is refine and pivot because that's ultimately what you're doing. It's not really a failure. You're not dying. The, the business isn't dying. You just you tried something, it didn't work. Okay, try something different because that's life. That's not just business. That is every day making it until, you know, the 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 final, the finale of life as you know it. So this has been a very, I knew it would be an extremely enriching conversation. And if you're, if you're new to business, some of the things we talked about might be a little advanced. I'm glad you listened so that you can vision for what you want business to be like in the future. And for those of you who have been in business for some time and you're struggling with really taking things to the next level, I hope that Shannon's story and her philosophy have put a foundation into your 
thought process that that you can do these things as well with, I don't even want to call them strategies or tactics, just with the truth that she shared with you. So Shannon, before, before we depart, what is some parting advice, something to stick with our bombshells, bold, brave, unwaveringly confident female entrepreneurs? What is it that you want to leave with them? So I think probably what's at the heart of all of it for me is you have to have real clarity of why it matters. First and foremost, why it matters to you because the resilience that it will take to wake up on Tuesday when what you thought was going to work on Monday didn't is always going to come back to why does this matter to me? Why is this important? Why do I care? And, and then making that something that is, that is resonant for all of your stakeholders. So everybody that's working alongside you, all of your team, why does it matter to them? Why does it matter to your customers? Why does it matter to the planet? You know, why does it matter to your partner? So that when you come home late at night, and say, I got to jump on the internet tonight. I'm sorry. You know, I'll, I'll be here for dinner with you guys, but I'm jumping back on and doing some more work. Here's why they get it too. And it matters to them too. And that you have that ecosystem of support. So if you've lost the thread of why you're doing what you're doing, if it's about, you know, just about paying the bills, find the space to, to reconnect to your purpose and to your mission. I love it. Such wisdom. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show. We will certainly link to uh, different ways that you can connect with Shannon in the show notes. Of course, you can always find those on the website at amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S and then on um, the Bombshell Business app, which you can find in the App Store or Google Play or, of course, the online version as well, desktop version rather. So they will be everything you can do. Some of the, some of the topics we talked about today, um, we'll link to something to kind of dig into B Corp a little bit more. And of course, all the, the ways to, to get to know Shannon better online will be there. Thank you so much for your listenership today and always and for being a force to reckon with as you empower the women around you to also embrace their inner bombshell. We will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.